Hi, everyone. This is Mike with episode 34 of Getting Everyone Moving, brought to you by Palms to Pines Parasports. Uh, today, we have a special guest, Samantha Bullock. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Michael. Thanks. So, yeah, you're welcome. We're going to talk a bit about fashion, adaptive fashion. So tell us, how did you get involved in this industry? And tell us about your business. So first of all, thank you for having me here. Um, I started modeling at the age of eight years old. So I'm 42 now. So it's a long time ago. Uh, when I was 14 years old, I had a gunshot accident and I became paraplegic. And at that moment, I was a uh, professional model. I couldn't, I couldn't do my job. We were talking about 30 years ago, not like a year ago. And uh, I was out of the, the game for, a, for 12 years, actually. When through sport, I became the number one wheelchair tennis player from Brazil and I started to play. I represent Brazil and everything. At that point, I started to do some pictures for my sponsors and be on the media again and get some space being knowing. And, um, and I realized that, okay, there is a space. I could be a model for my niche. I started modeling again. So it, it is, is, we're talking about 15 years ago. Uh, so I started to do the fashion, inclusive fashion 15 years ago. And, um, and two years ago, almost three years ago, I launched my business. That's the SB shop. And just last year, we launched the Imperfection is where we create products. And, um, and we partner with brands, uh, make the brands understand that they can also be more inclusive and think on more in a universal way. So um, this is where I came from. <laughs> so when you, when you were 14, you said you suffered a gunshot wound. Um, I mean, thinking back, that must have been really hard for you to be a very active person and then you know, your life changes. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, changed, changed for sure, you know. Uh, I have chronic pain, so it wasn't only the wheelchair. Uh, the pain is something that follows with me. But um, at that point, I had a very supportive family and friends. So I, even that I wasn't able, uh, I, was, I was never left alone. I would play volleyball, with my colleagues at school, I would, you know, so, I mean, I think that the, the community, the support we have is how, it's like, it's, I never felt that I couldn't do anything. I always felt that we could find a way to do. And I think what I did with fashion was the same, you know, it's like to find a way to do what I, I want to do. So how did you discover, uh, you know, wheelchair tennis and other adaptive sports? What led you to that? Yeah, I, I, was a, I was a tennis player before my accident. I also started to play tennis very uh, at very early age, at uh, nine, I think. Uh, in my city here in the south of Brazil is a sport that everyone do. So 
my mom, my dad, my brother, all my friends, they play tennis here. So I was quite good. Um, and I discovered, I, so I never, I never want to play, for example, basketball. That was everyone's like, oh, you can, you know, it was the only sport that we knew that was uh, accessible at that time, but it wasn't my, my game. I would play handball or different sports, but not, um, not the ones I didn't. So because I didn't like any other sport, I start, I, I would swim that I'm, I'm very good. I live by the beach here. So I used to surf as well. But um, yeah, so I discovered the wheelchair tennis by mistake, actually. I was working in the government here in Brazil in the Senate that sees in Brazilia, the, the, the big, it's, it's like Senate in US, yeah. Um, I was there in the vice presidents, presidents there. And uh, we, uh, someone asked some money for a wheelchair tennis school like he NGO to support. And I was like, oh, this it's rubbish. I, I thought it was something that had to do with like corruption that someone made up a sport in their minds and asked for money. And I was like, no, this doesn't exist. Um, but the, the fact was this school was five minutes from where I used to work. And I said, I'm going to check, I'm going to, to get them, I'm just going there and check out. And when I arrived, it was like a lot of the tennis chairs there and people having classes and everything. And when I arrived there, um, all my friends now was like, oh, did you come here to play and everything? And I was just very puzzled because I couldn't say like, I came here to check you out. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I just want to give it a try and uh, I Start and I start to play and it was kind of like 12 years. I, I would play. Um, I, I, I didn't know a lot like how to push, how to move the wheelchair. Yeah. But I had my backhand, my forehand. I, after, you know, I need to adapt to that for the wheelchair. Um, but was there. Uh, so I started to play again. That's amazing. Wow. Completely by mistake. And it must have brought you so much joy to be able to play tennis again. Yeah, it's 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 quite funny. I I normally say that my life was very consistent because I, I was a model before I became a model after. I was a tennis player before I became a wheelchair tennis player after my accident. So didn't the, the, the things didn't change much. And even that they did, for sure they did. But um, I, I fight to keep doing what I was, what I would love to do. And, uh, and once I found the opportunity, I just grabbed that and I made the most of that. So, you know, for, for many people that have been active and then have an accident, um, you know, afterwards a pretty depressing time and some people don't recover from that. Um, but what about you that helped you to really keep on going and push to, as you say, you know, you have a very similar life to before and after the accident. What, what is it within you? Um, and what support system did you have to help you push forward? 
I think my friends, I never felt that I, like I said to you, I never felt that I couldn't do anything. I, I, I was part of society. Um, and uh, and I, I had a very supportive family. And um, so we would laugh, try to find ways to do the things. And we would celebrate every single victory would be to be in the pool for the first time or to manage to go on my chair to get a glass of water for the first time. You know, it was just like everything that we, we achieve, we, we celebrate it was, um, well, was a, a journey for sure. You know, it wasn't days that was um, bad. I was in pain. Uh, I had pressure sores and everything downs and, but I think I, I think it's my family and mainly the, the the way they deal with things, you know, just don't say you know in life you're going to have the good and the bad. You're not going to have only the good. So um, we need to to learn to to go through the things when they are not well and learn for, from that. Yeah. If my friends, um, yeah. And, and I think to have a purpose, you know, this came after, uh, I mean, like years after, but I, I knew that I, 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 I used to go to a restaurant. I didn't have the ramp. I used to go mainly in Brazil here, you know, and we were talking like 30 years ago. Uh, we didn't have the buses. We didn't have um, accessible toilets. We didn't have, uh, even nowadays, you know, to push in the streets. <laughs> And to look all that things, I just like, this can't be, this can't be. So it's like, this needs to change. So even just after my accident, I, I was determined to, to make a change, to make people aware of that. I was always talking about, you know, look, your, your butte doesn't have a, a toilet. We need to have a toilet here. And, uh, and I think th this became my purpose at that time, even without knowing that. So you, so you become a strong advocate, um, but can you talk a little bit more about conditions for people, um, especially with a physical disability in Brazil? I mean, what is it like, um, challenges? Yeah, uh, here in Brazil, it it's, depends where you are from in Brazil, it's Brazil, you know, and also depends like how much money you have. There are the conditions, they are different, yeah? yeah. So for example, if you, depend of, if you depend of the public transport, it's a nightmare. You know, if you have some money to buy a car is one thing. So the government helps you to get uh, a car, gives you some discount, but even so it's not everyone that sits, have the money to buy, even with the discount. So, Change, change uh, is not like in US or in UK where the government supply these things for everyone, doesn't matter if you are uh, wealth or not, you're going to have the same rights. Here you, it's, it's, not, it's not that good. So uh, you have the big cities, probably, you know, shopping centers, difficult, Sao Paulo, Rio, uh, Porto Alegre, the, the, the big ones we have here. Um, 
you go to places where you can push probably you know like in Rio now uh, you all the buses are accessible in Sao Paulo the 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 metro is is okay but has few stations that are not but that is not too too different than UK for example you know what I mean like it's not every single station that are accessible there and not even in New York. I went last year to New York. Um, I think it was last year. And now I need to think. And, um, and even, you know, the metro there, the, the subway, it was a nightmare. You know, some lift that was broken. And you need, I, I got lost inside, inside of the subway for an hour. So it's, even so that in Brazil we have, you know, it's, has some difficulties that are quite the same when you talk about big cities. Did, do you feel the Paralympics um, in Rio changed the way people kind of view people with a disability at all? I mean, awareness? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And even that the history of the Paralympics, you know, when you see like when we start in 48, how many players we had, how many players we have now, and how all the journey that we have been through with the Paralympics, um, and how, for example, London, you know, the, view, the viewers, how many was like billions of people watching the Paralympics is all the perception. We have some numbers that they say that three, um, uh, one every three adults in UK got their perception have changed towards disability because of the Paralympics. So it's it's touched a lot of people. So I, I, I really believe that the Paralympics played a big role in all this that we're facing now. Um, uh, I think this uh, probably kind of accelerated the, the, whole, the whole thing that would would happen naturally um, if you is it's like the woman we didn't have the right to vote. Do you know it's like all is 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 still growing and the awareness is but I think the Paralympic played not doubt that played a big role on on this. You know nowadays the Paralympic athletes they are seen as they real athlete i mean like real athlete uh, as is, is not like oh you are a paraplegic uh tennis player no you are a tennis player do you know what i mean like it's um uh, i'd say like oh people see a lot of people see the the paralympic uh, top players as like heroes even if you are not you know like and um it's i don't know i i yeah. i not sure that I agree with that because you know it's just like a person trying very hard to be the best that they can do with what they can offer and it's um but yeah really it's right I mean it's it's the Paralympians are athletes um they're super athletes actually right I mean they're elite athletes and it doesn't matter that maybe they use a chair for mobility or maybe they're missing, you know, an arm or something. That's not the point. And I think creating more of that. Yeah. You know, these persons trained the same as a, as an Olympic person because they want to be the best in the world. I mean, that's what it's about. Right. 
And if you see, for example, I, I'm going to talk about tennis because yeah. it's my sport. Um, what the guys do in a wheelchair. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I was in Wimbledon now a few years ago and uh, we had like a big match and everything and you had the guys playing the wheelchair tennis. I, I really enjoy much more to see what they can, can, they can do in, in, in wheelchair, even on grass, that is 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 little harder to push, much harder to push actually, you know. But uh, what they do is kind of the, the level of Feather, Nadal, but they do in, in a wheelchair. And, and it's just like, wow, just blows, blows me away, the, the, the things. I don't know, I was, I was like five years ago, I think, um, Fernandes from Argentina, he got a, a, a ball, he dropped his chair, he pushed back, and he just killed the point. Uh, it's fantastic, you know, and even I, I think it's like, oh, uh, if you put Nadal, Feder in a wheelchair, uh, they wouldn't play, you know, I, no. I think it was Djokovic that in Australia tried to sit in a wheelchair uh, of Dylan and, and tried to play and he was like, he couldn't. Uh, so what I'm saying is these guys, uh, you know, ever top athlete on their modality. They play so hard and they they do, you know, amazing. So it's- Yeah, well, they're, they're elite athletes, no matter what. It doesn't, you know, yeah. that's the point. Um, you know, I tried to play wheelchair tennis a few times. I couldn't really do it, but you know, I, I can do wheelchair basketball, okay. Um, but it is, it's really difficult and I think Part of it is if you come in and you sit in a wheelchair and try, then you can appreciate more, you know, what it takes. So, you know, uh, hopefully we'll get more people into sport chairs trying the different sports. So I want to shift a little bit to fashion. And, um, you know, given that you're a, an advocate, you know, for, I, I suppose, disability rights, I mean, what is it, what are you hoping to do with inclusive fashion? Why is that important? It's important for as a sport, you know, for so many different perspectives, you know, is 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 need uh, first because we need uh, adaptive clothes. We need, you know, when you, for example, for wheelchair, for example, yeah, for wheelchair user, when you see it, the, the trousers they are different. Even if you use it now, you can see, you know, uh, you have less material in the back, your legs get, the, the legs get shorter. So we, uh, someone that has a paraplegic doesn't deal the same as with buttons as someone that moves their hands. Right. Um, someone is blind, probably is going to get a shirt. They don't, they don't know the color of that and, right. you know, um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of little things in, in, in the clothes that need to be done. And my idea was to, instead of make my own collection, to put the seed inside of the brands that are already there and say, come and we can do something together or mm -hmm. let's talk about that, open uh, for a conversation for them to understand more. Um, but also in terms of representation, yeah, it's massive. You can see when you open a magazine, 
that disabled people, they are not there. The representation in the fashion industry, uh, in, in the magazines, for example, they are 0.01%. Uh, um, uh, this is a, um, a agency in in UK called ZBD. They just released these numbers last year, um, and we are twenty percent of the population. You know, like it's around twenty percent. And when you see something less than one percent, I mean, like really less, um, it's it's not quite right. So we we talk um, towards representation marketing, uh, employment, you know, because it's not about only um, to have a model with disability, yeah. but to have a makeup artist, to have someone that's a photographer, to have someone that's a journalist, to have the whole industry to think about that and how much uh, the, the industry can, can collaborate uh, to, to make fashion as a social tool and make the change because the, the fashion is as a sport is something that touches 20% of population to 30%, yeah? And it's a lot, yeah. but fashion that's 100% of the population. You know, every single person in the world, they wear, they are aware of, you know, fashion, you can communicate yourself. Yeah. And if say, if you're in a bad day, in a good day, how you are, and there has the, the, the second, the third beat probably that's his twin power. Because, you know, the way you feel uh, fashion has a direct impact on that. If you are all day in pajamas and when you put something and you dress well, you do your hair and everything, you are empowered. So I think has this, um, the, 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 the psychology of fashion in people's lives. So if you're wearing something that's fashionable, that made you feel well, at the same time that uh, focus on comfort, that's something that's not going to hurt you or doesn't, doesn't, go, doesn't go to look that's inappropriate for you as you could be, you know, when you are wearing something that's not the, the, the right thing for you to be wearing. Um, this, this kind of, think um, as a whole has a massive power. So is the fashion industry changing then? I mean, are you seeing, um, you know, more adaptive clothing and or, you know, more models and such with, with disability? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. It's very slow, but it is, you know, and nowadays the, even the big brands, I think they are starting to think about um, and I'm not like maybe they don't even want to think about because they don't want to change. Fashion it's very um, traditional. As you see, the magazines they are here forever. They display the same type of woman, you know, that sits uh, uh, white, taller, skinny, young. You know, now we are talking about aging. Um, aging. Uh, we are talking about color things yeah. that a few years ago and it's not many years ago the fashion industry wasn't thinking about and nowadays they need to think about uh, so wouldn't it be okay nowadays to have what they call a white magazine to open a magazine you only have white people there 
uh, is not is not right, you know. Yeah. So I think this is going to become the norm where the representation needs to be showing, needs to be displayed. Uh, you can't ignore these kind of things that we are there. Um, so it's 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 improve uh, improving. Um, more brands, I could say, big ones as Tommy Hilfiger, uh, you know, smaller ones. They are also thinking now about. Uh, we have more than twenty three brands with us on our platform and uh, and i'm going to tell you we make from dresses jackets uh trousers whatever even like creams that um has a cooler effect or helps somehow or accessories as we launched last year a earring that was was written love feel in us in braille so wow. i mean like it's it's it was from a company called big coffee in, in portugal and the thing is you could feel the you could feel the words yeah because it was braille so all these stones shivarovsk stones so it's it's not that we need a special earring but the the meaning was there yeah it makes sense so, you know, as you talk, um, it kind of sounds like the, um, the movie industry in that, you know, it had been, when you think about the Oscars, very exclusive, right? Hadn't involved people of color and such, and that seems to be changing. And it sounds like a similar thing for the fashion industry. It's been very exclusive as opposed to being inclusive. Yeah, they they they, they are changing. Uh, I think um, also they, they are changed for the for the right thing for the you know is 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 the ethic thing to do. You need to change. You need to englobe. You need to get everyone involved. But it's also a massive opportunity. You know, yeah. you are not going to say I don't want twenty percent of the the money. You know. One person with disability, uh, they, you know, like the, the, the community is worth more than $3 trillion. And if you think, for example, that if, let, let's say, if I go to a restaurant, yeah, it's me, probably it's me and my husband, probably it's me. And if I have a daughter or, or a niece or, you know, it's me, my husband and my daughter, and there maybe my mom, maybe a friend. So when someone is closing the door on towards someone that has a disability, is not only that money that they are rejecting, is the social one that these represent with family and friends eight trillion dollars. So is they are doing probably the, the right thing because they need to do the right thing is, is the ethical way to think, but also um, makes. Is 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 business sense, you know? Um, Sinead Barks said that another day, and it's like, why would say like, no, no, go away, I don't want your money. No, do you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think now nowadays in the world we live, mainly in the fashion industry, that they don't have more for where to grow, and the fact that it's like a lot of people they have the fast fashion has so many clothes. 
so many, where they are going to grow for, you know, what you're going to do with so many clothes that you have every single time is, you know, in just shipping to whatever country and uh, they, they, they need to grow. And so it's, it's something that as we weren't considered in the first place, you know, yeah. Now it's like, okay, we need to grow. Where do we grow for? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're coming towards the end of our interview. Um, what, what is a message that you'd like to leave, uh, you know, people with? Uh, I mean, you have this great purpose in life. Obviously, you haven't let the fact that, you know, you, had an, you were shot uh, slow you down at all. You've done everything you can. You know, but there are a lot of people who, again, you know, they take it at, as the end of their life. That's it. I can't do more. So what do you say to people to really, you know, motivate them? Find a purpose. Don't think about your life for yourself. You know, find a way to help someone. Um, it's, it's when we give is probably where or when we find the joy, you know? So it's, um, think how can you help? And maybe you go to a, if, you know, go to a school, talk with the kids, explain that. It's, it's always someone that is going to benefit uh, for what you have to say, if what you have to say is something good. You know, learn your beat, do, do, do what you love, you know? For me, it was, uh, was fashion, was tennis, is fashion, is tennis. I'm doing that. We are developing, you know, always new clothes, new adaptations, find way, find new brands, uh, talk with the ones that are there and communicate with them like, oh, how can you make a change? How can you make this, you know, find a way to do the things because it's like each brand that we get, they are a different, you, you talk to someone that does trousers, you talk to someone who does jeans, someone that does dresses, you know, it's like, okay, how inside of what you have, we can make a change because it's, everyone is different. Also, it's the, the, the fashion industry. So it's um, when you have this purpose and you try to make the difference, you're going to, you're going to find joy, you know, if you're doing this, and doesn't matter and, and, and what you like um, to do, for example, if you are passionate about food, do something with that. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so I, I would say, uh, as I normally say, uh, do what you can, the best way you can, you know, and, um, and do often enough that you're going to, to be an authority and, and you're going to be happy at the end. Yeah. Samantha, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. No, thank you.